Welcome to the very first episode of the GOAT Podcast, the greatest office of all time. Did you get that? I love goats. G-O-A-T? So oh, okay. They jump around, they I... eat trash. My name is Dan Rhino. I'm joined by Will Lewis. Hello. My podcasting compadre from another madre. From another show? Padre? <laughs> You're just going to start up the Rhino Wrestler Review Podcast Network. I am. Or I am. They're going to call me the Podfather. Ooh. I'm going to steal that from somebody. Like it's that. mine now. I take that. <laughs> I don't like huh. that. And I'm also joined by the lovely Jessica Rhino. Hello. My partner on the Broomsticks and Butterbeer podcast. Worlds are colliding. They oh. are. The three of us together, though, this should be, this could be either really good or just no uh, chemistry at all. So on par with the rest of the other yep. shows? Yep. Yep. Okay. Just set the bar super low, and then if we happen to step over said bar... Trip over said mm-hmm. bar. You know what? Success. I smell success, guys. You smell that? I thought that was pizza. <laughs> and and dog farts. Good. <laughs> oh. Smells good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the concept of this podcast came about because we're coming up on the 15th anniversary of my favorite show. I think it's my favorite show of all time. Used to be Seinfeld. What about Frasier? Frasier is not in, in the top Frasier. ten. Nobody. Uh, a lot of people like Frasier. Well, the, the only critics because did. they thought it made them seem smarter. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Like I'm smart. I watch Frasier. Exactly. I love Those it. Those tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Sounds gross. They're coming again. The dog was cool though on Frasier. Eddie? Eddie. Yeah, he was cool. Pretty sure he's dead. Yeah, well, that's sad. It's been a long time. Yeah, <laughs> the show's on like 15. years. Oh, God, more than 15 years ago. Oh, no. If we're doing the 15th anniversary of The Office. It's been a while. Now. And, well, would you say it's your favorite TV show? So it's not. Really? It's not. It's a close second. What's uh, Orphan Black is your favorite yep, TV Yeah, I'm a huge OB fan. <laughs> Never uh, seen it. No, uh, Scrubs is my favorite Scrubs is show. pretty good. Scrub, um, Scrubs is pretty good, but we just re-watched it. Mm-hmm. It's very and crazy. it didn't it hold up. For 2020, mm-hmm. a lot of that PC humor. It is. Scrubs is one of those shows that I enjoyed watching the first time. I've enjoyed us rewatching it. But Office is one of those shows that I watch it every day. Mm-hmm. We'll come home and, it, and it'll be on Comedy Central for like five hours most nights. Yeah. And it's on some cozy TV or something like that that, that Will has on YouTube TV. That I've never heard of. YouTube yeah, TV. shout out to YouTube TV, sponsor of the show. Yep. Uh, unpaid sponsor of the show, but, I can't a, but a sponsor. We, you guys already have sponsors for this. Just pulling them in. That's yeah, great. I know. They just people heard of the concept and they were like, "We're in. Just sign throw, us throw up. Money yeah. at us. Throwing money at us, trying to stimulate the economy. They got to clean it first, though. Yeah, because as we record this in 2020, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Global. So pandemic. we are going to try to give you a little. Audio gold here to help you get through your quarantine. Stay away from us, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah don't get too close to that microphone. I, I'm, I, I literally took Will's temperature when he came into the recording studio <laughs> <He> today. <did. laughs> and, and we made him clean his hands. Made and sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That wasn't supposed to be a rectal thermometer. It but is now. <laughs> 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 because oh, it's never going back in, the, in my ear, at least. <laughs> After where I put that thing. But The Office for me, like I said, it's it's one of those shows that I, I kind of got on to originally and then I pulled Jessica into it and then it kind of became our, our weekly thing. 
that we would watch when it was on, or when it was originally broadcast. And then it kind of a few, was it a few years ago where it got like the big revival when people were just like binging it on Netflix? Yeah, I think once it hit Netflix, it it just kind of skyrocketed from there because I had watched it, um, I, I didn't have cable when it was first out on TV, um, so I <laughs> illegally downloaded it on the internet Interesting. Uh, so I could watch it. We uh, already gave them your full name. Ah, Will Lewis. Uh, St. Louis, don't Missouri. Give, don't give my address. <laughs> uh, I don't do that anymore. FBI, I know you guys are listening. Yeah, everybody's listening. Uh, but no, I used They're to. Busy. Yeah, I used to download the episodes and I'd keep up with it um, when I first started hearing about it because one of my friends got me into it. And then once it was on Netflix, I'd probably watch that show mm-hmm. through consistently maybe 25 plus times. Mm-hmm. It's it, right now to me, it's just background noise. Like I'll just put it on. When I'm getting ready for work in the mm-hmm. morning or just later on at night, if I try to fall asleep or something, let's put it on the office. We kind of do the same thing when we come home. It's it's something nice to have on. It's something that you know that you don't have to. Except you've, for you've on seen Wednesdays. it so many times. Yes, Wednesdays is South Wednesdays Park Day. Wednesdays suck because uh-huh. we can't watch <laughs> Plus, re- West Wednesdays is wrestling day as Wrestle- well. Uh, yeah, Jessica, so you're a big wrestling sucks. fan. He's got to do his research. Well, Jessica went to WrestleMania last year. She went to like. At Madison Square Garden show that had a bunch of random like Japanese wrestlers that nobody knew. That's how much she likes wrestling. Mm-hmm. She went to the a- that AEW show last month in Chicago. There you go. A-E-W. A-E-W. Yeah, see, listen, she just can't stop. see Orange Cassidy wrestle. Yeah, this is not a wrestling podcast, Jessica. Settle down. I'll try and rein it in. Try to contain yourself. But like I said, the office with that Netflix push and apparently you uh well i think you told me 2021 it's off of netflix Boo. it's gonna go to that uh nbc's getting the peacock network or the peacock uh network channel whatever it's I, called i guess what, I they're like gonna it. put all their like nbc stuff on there i don't like it either no because i told netflix when they first announced it i put on their my my most highly liked comment on anything of all time i said well i guess i have to cancel my office subscription then yep Yep. Really no other reason to have Netflix, no, right? Not at all. <laughs> other than having The Office? Yeah. Maybe you'll subscribe to that Peacock Network. How about that? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many networks. There There's is. too many streaming things. If only... If only they could just put all those things like into one thing. Go on. And then like you just pay one bill a month. Okay. And you get like access to, to everything. Yeah. Now, how would they get that into your TV, though? Uh, I would think they would have to come through some sort of cable from uh. from the outside, and they could plug into your your TV or maybe some kind of box. It'd have to be like a really thick cable to get all that in. I would Ooh. think so. Yeah. Man, what would you call it, though? Cable. You son of a bitch! I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. God, patent pending. Yep, patent pending. I, uh, the good old days, man, when you could just you just paid your cable bill. Can't do that anymore. Got to pay Disney, and you got to pay Hulu, and you got to pay Netflix. I don't even know who I pay anymore. It's, people just take money out of my bank account now, and I'm like, it's probably for a streaming service. That $6 a month that comes out that goes to uh, Other, That uh, don't worry about that. Oh, okay. Just that goes to our, our bank account. Score? Yeah. $6. Yeah, $6. We got to keep it under the Got to keep it under the radar. Yeah. If it was like $100, you would notice, and you would like anything less dispute than 10. it. I need to anything. cancel that one, because I don't think I watch it. <laughs> anything less than 10, I don't even know. Yeah, you're just like, oh, 6 bucks. That's got to be something I let's, use. Let's up it to 10. 
He won't know. Nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. I can hear you guys say it right now. Yeah, forget. You'll, forget, you'll forget when we once we get into this podcast gold here, yeah. because Will made me aware of uh, something that actually NBC and the official office Twitter account put on their on their feed the other day. They posted a tournament bracket of the greatest office episodes of all time. Because there's no sports. That's right. There's no sports going on right now during the the pandemic, so. People get their, their fix, their tournament fix. There's no March Madness. This is taking place of that. And it was a lineup of the greatest Office episodes of all time. They're, they go head-to-head. They advance to the next round. And we eventually get to the greatest Office episode of all time. Hence, this podcast. The GOAT podcast. The greatest Office of all time. I, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I see. I thought this was just we're, about goats. We're, we're nine minutes in, and Will just got it. Man. <laughs> I thought I signed up for the wrong show. Guys, as much as I would love to be He was just going to ride it out. We'll talk about that goat yoga. As much as I would love to be part of this this podcast. You know, well, just stick around, just in case. Uh, all right. Just stick around. That's if you don't like it, you don't have to come back. But it's not about goats. So. Yeah, it's not about goats, but just stick around. Okay. We'll see We'll see if you like it or not. Now, do we want to go through the bracket? Do we want to, or do we want to list the bracket first? Or do we just want to let them be surprised? You got the bracket in front of you? I do not. Jessica, you got the bracket. Well, we both have it on our phones. I'll tell you what. Let's let's do it like like they would March Madness. Let's do regions. So let's do how many uh, matchups do we have in the first round of this office tournament? Oh, um. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight on each side. So let's break it up into four, let's break it up into four regions. We will do it's basically the top sec, top right, left, top mm-hmm. left, oh, okay. bottom. So, right, like bottom in Mar- March Madness, they have like the Midwest region, the West region, the East region, and uh, the South region. I think. Um, let's call this the um, let's call this the Michael Scott region. Ooh, I okay. Like it. So, give me the matchups. So, you're saying there's eight matchups on each side? Yes. So there's a total of 32 episodes? Yes. Okay. So we will do, uh, let's read the first four matchups in the top left section here. In the Michael Scott region. In the Michael Scott. Coming out of the Michael Scott region. What do we got, Jessica? Dinner Party versus The Client. And that's the one we're going to be talking about today. today. So today we are going to watch those two episodes. We would like you to watch those before. You, you get into our discussion, so we're going to give you our little intro here. We're going to take a, a short break. That's your chance to pause the episode, go watch the uh, two episodes of the, po- of the Office, come back and hear our discussion and see if you agree with us. So the next matchup in the Michael Scott region. Booze Cruise versus Casual Friday. A couple of good ones. Then we have Money versus Goodbye Michael. Goodbye, Michael. It's been nice. And then Niagara versus the Deposition. All right. So that's the Michael Scott region. That's the Michael Scott region. It's a good region. Mm -hmm. It's a strong region. Very strong region. Uh, What episodes stick out to you, Will, uh, when you see that list? Some of those are kind of hard to... When you hear the name of it, it's kind of hard to place what the concept of the episode is. But what are the some of the ones that, as soon as you heard the name, you're like, oh, man, 
that's a that, that could be one that could go all the way so one of the first we'll talk about today is is, is dinner party that's from what I've seen and all the lists that I've read through and whatnot, doing vigorous research. Um, to prepare for this podcast, prepare, you didn't yep, know you were going to be on? That I didn't know that I was going to be on. That I thought it was about goats. Turns out I'm You were doing the wrong sort of research. Uh-huh. Uh, Dinner Party is widely regarded as one of the best episodes in The Office. So this would be a pretty pretty high seed. It is a very high seed. Very I high would say seed. it's probably the number one seed. Interesting. In this region. Mm-hmm. In the Michael Scott region. In the Michael Scott region. Um, other ones that kind of like stand out, Niagara. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's the Jim and Pam ep- the wedding episode, mm-hmm. and then Goodbye Michael, the the final episode where uh, Michael Scott sad leaves the show. Very sad. sad. The thing about the show, when you said the Goodbye Michael episode, there's there's distinct eras of The Office. We've got the first season. Where a lot of the characters, it wasn't very highly rated the first season. They really had to kind of struggle uh, to get picked up or to continue for the second season. Because I think the first season was only like six or eight episodes or something like that. Yeah. And Michael is kind of hard to take in that first season. Jessica, you and I have talked about that in the past. He, he's not he later on he becomes charming he becomes somebody that you kind of root for but you're not really rooting for him in that first season are you no i i really struggled when you were trying to get me to join you on mm-hmm. this adventure i was you had me watch those first couple episodes i'm like why why would i want to watch this this is i like he you just couldn't take him he it was too much too right. vulgar too over the top it it just was an unpleasant experience but there is a marked change with with Michael in the seasons going forward. And that had to have been a conscious effort by the writers and by the producers of the show, don't you think, Will, to kind of not tone down Michael a little bit, but kind of maybe soften him a little bit to make him more of somebody that you kind of want to pull for. Yeah, because I saw, like, I've read a lot of things that said they didn't want to make him too much of an asshole, but they, because they didn't want want people, like, continuously rooting against him Mm -hmm. for the entire season. But you see, like, you do see a very subtle change throughout the entire show, uh, which I think is kind of the opposite. Like, later on, once Michael leaves, you Mm -hmm. see an Andy. Andy is, you know, he becomes one of, like, these, one of, like a well-liked character, and then towards the end of the show, oh, yeah, everybody hates him. Mm-hmm. But um, and and Andy even kind of starts off as somebody you don't like. Yeah. When he's working at the other branch before he comes over, and then he goes to anger management, and then he comes back, and then you kind you kind of do start to like him. Well, then you start to feel sorry for him because yeah. Angela's yeah. totally right messing with him. Right. So it's a little so little nuances sorry like for that. Him, but mm-hmm. then when he gets with. Um, Aaron. Aaron, and that's just a horrible relationship. Yeah, those too. those two together. Is, I'm, then you're like, I don't even wanna. Yeah, it's it's guys. some of those are kind of hard to watch too, just because you think like, why are you acting like that? Why what are you? Why are you doing that? It's uh, and there's some moments in these two episodes we're going to talk about here, especially uh, particularly dinner party, where it's so funny. But also so uncomfortable, right. <laughs> the, the way the characters are interacting with each other. Like you, it, you can't help but laugh because of how damn funny it is. But it's so uncomfortable. The the how, especially particularly the relationship between 
Michael and Jan, how it kind of like just reaches, it just boils, boils, boils until it reaches a crescendo at the, at the end. But then even there's some, some signs at the end where you're kind of like, well, maybe there's hope for him though. Even though this is so dysfunctional, there's, uh, you know, moments at the end of the episode that I took a couple notes on that kind of make you think that maybe, maybe it's all going to be okay. But we were talking about distinct like eras. First season, uh, even like Kevin in the first season, Kevin hadn't really found his voice yet. And, and I say that in a, in a, in a literal sense and a figurative sense, because Kevin his voice literally changes from the right. first season to the second season where in the second season, he sounds for lack of a better term, like more simple. And in the, in the first season, he just, he doesn't sound like he's like a, like a real comedic character. He doesn't sound like the, the lovable goof. He just sounds like somebody who just doesn't like his job. Later on, we get a lot more out of, Kevin and as they kind of change his character as well but then we we talked about when Michael leaves and we get the post Michael era which a lot of people don't like a lot of people refuse to watch it after Steve Carell's character left but and I could I could see it not the show not being the same without him but there's a lot of good stuff in there in those in those later years too there is I like I like the post uh the post Michael Mm -hmm. seasons I mean they're not nearly i wouldn't say they're nearly as good as all the ones before that but i mean it's definitely still watchable it's not like so scrubs is a very good uh example so once uh zach braff and the rest of the crew kind of left mm-hmm. the whole nine season i don't re- i i don't even believe it yeah they were barely in it like just very just yeah. kind of bridge the gap there very sporadic i don't even consider that a piece of you know scrubs the whole like the whole series i don't care yeah some shows can get away with that like i remember cheers when uh diane left and then kirstie alley's character came in and it kind of like reinvigorated the show a little bit remember cheers i remember cheers man you just showed your age on that one dude i show my age like every time i step out the door and somebody goes look at that old guy (laughs) it's it's kind of hard it's kind of hard not to show your age but some shows can recover from that and some shows when a main character leaves like i like when charlie sheen left two and a half men and they brought in ashton kutcher not the same chemistry not the same show at all it's like unwatchable right you know and two and a half men was a really funny show you know particularly charlie sheen uh and his interactions with the other characters but uh but i digress and uh today we are going to talk about dinner party that would that being uh, episode thirteen from season four, and we are going to compare that to the client. That being episode seven of season two. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a short break. We're going to have you pause the podcast, go to Netflix or whatever form, illegal or otherwise, because because Will is a big proponent of that apparently. <laughs> Check out. Not uh, anymore. He says he doesn't no, no, do no. it anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. Episode nine of season four. Yes. Is that correct? That's the it. dinner party. Uh-huh. And then episode seven of season two, the client. Yes. Did I get those right? That's it. Okay. So check those out. Come back and we're going to talk about them. And we are going to pick a winner who's going to advance the next round of the Michael Scott bracket. It is the GOAT podcast, the inaugural pilot episode Dan Rhino, Will Lewis, 
Jessica Rhino here on the Rhino Podcasting Network. We'll be right back. In the wild, there is no healthcare. In the wild, healthcare is, ow, I hurt my leg. I can't run. A lion eats me, and I'm dead. Well, I'm not dead. I'm the lion. You're dead. Welcome back to the very first episode of the GOAT Podcast, the greatest office of all time. Yeah. What? What? No? <laughs> no, we're not doing that. You're going to have to stop saying GOAT. It just confuses him. You just I... said GOAT again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dan Rhino. He's Will Lewis. She's Jessica Rhino. And we are going to get into our episodes here. Let's talk about the first one that we watched, that being... Episode 9, is that correct, of season 4? That is correct. Okay. I don't know why I wrote down episode 13. 13, 9. I mean, they're close to each other. Math is hard. Ish. So, this episode here is entitled The Dinner Party. Let me give you the IMDB synopsis here. It says, Michael invites Jim and Pam and Andy and Angela to a couples-only dinner party, which makes Dwight very jealous. However, the only thing he's missing is a is a ringside seat to witness Michael and Jan's extremely dysfunctional home life. So one of the things that has, was, has become a staple of the office is kind of the cold open where they go, they don't have an intro or anything. They just go straight to action. They just go straight to uh, usually a scene set in the office where first thing we hear is like a phone ringing or, or something like that, or maybe some, some, chit chat and the cold open here is a pretty elaborate ruse by michael to set up this dinner party we don't know for sure it was a ruse it didn't seem like it was one. never confirmed it was like there was a it lot was of suspicious yeah okay guys are you gonna well, <laughs> i mean i, we all I know feel you're like you're speculating mr conspiracy over here well that that's what that is my nickname that is what they call me they do call me Mr. Conspiracy. But Michael tells the whole office that they have to stay late and work. And Michael continually asks Jim during this time, got any plans tonight? And Jim says, well, of course not, because I'm stuck here working. Michael goes to his office. He makes a, I'm going to use an air quotes here, call to corporate. Why are you doing air quotes? Why? No reason. That's he called corporate. Yeah. They showed it. He picked up the, the phone. And, and says, my people, my friends who I love are not going to work anymore. We're, we're going home. He looks like the big hero. Because he is. Allegedly. <laughs> God, uh, was allowed all of his, uh, his workers to go home at a normal time on a Friday when they thought they were going to work late. And then he asked Jim again if he had any plans tonight. And he was thinking about having him and Pam over for dinner. Because apparently he has been asking Jim and Pam over for dinner. I think, how many times did he say? Nine times. At least nine times. 
And he always, Jim always has plans. Go figure. Well, Jim doesn't have plans now. And Jim is assuming that this was And a, you're assuming. And Jim and I are both assuming, because we're in lockstep, that this was an elaborate plan by Michael, an ingenious plan by Michael to finally get Jim and Pam over for dinner. And I think um, it just shows that you cannot underestimate Michael Scott, no matter how, if you, how inept you think he is, every once in a while he will surprise you. That's true, because... There's a different part in one of the other, epi- like a different episode, where Toby, um, he make he makes Ryan sit next to Cully, like, and then Toby's just like, "Did he do this as a way to punish me?" <laughs> and so he's a genius. Yep. And he's like, "Yeah, he probably did that." Yep. He actually he actually did. Sometimes he will surprise you there. So the 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 opening to this was was awesome. I thought that. The opening before the the credits roll and the song kicks in, I thought the opening to this was was fantastic. It really kind of sets the stage for the episode, and like I said, it kind of gives you a different side of Michael that sometimes is is underestimated. And it's the only bit really that's in the office. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we had yeah. to like get it in there a little bit. Yeah, the majority of this this episode takes place in Michael and Jan's condo. Right. Uh, the couple of the things that I notice here is here in season four, the dynamics between the couples. We've got Jim and Pam who are together at this point, not married yet, but obviously well into their their dating love life. Michael and Jan are living together at this point, and Andy and Angela are, are in together. the are in the midst of their very Ish. weird relationship. Yep. <laughs> how would you describe Jessica? How would you describe the relationship between Andy and Angela other than uncomfortable (laughs) yeah um I don't know it's just a mess you know he thinks that they're in this great relationship and he's all for it and she's just like not at all like we all know that it's not real to her Mm -hmm. and at the same time you're like why can't Andy figure this out why does he put up with this so yeah, uncomfortable. So guys, they've all they've necked before. Like I don't know <laughs> if you remember that. Like literal, like just placing your necks on each. They're he, just rubbing their necks. <laughs> he goes, it's kind of. I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> I believe was his uh, was his exact uh, words. I guess this is the part where we're liking uh, Andy. You know, mm-hmm. was that obnoxious guy? Now we're feeling sorry for him. And look at these cute things that he's doing for her. You know, they're, they're pulling the flower out and giving her a flower. That was sweet. Mm-hmm. If you did that to me, I'd be like, oh, babe. And then I'd go, but well, what am I supposed to do with yeah, this? The, yeah, you would, I was like, you would totally do that. What am I supposed to hold this flower all night yep. while I'm at this dinner party? We, it, we see the seeds very, planted very early in this episode of the dysfunction between Michael and Jan. And it comes up quite a bit during the episode there's the conversation about the plate glass uh sliding door window that michael apparently ran through because he really wanted ice cream he laughed that off i was a little surprised like when we were watching it again i was like oh no this is where it starts and she's doing it to get back at him but he does kind of genuinely laugh it off and i was like oh okay he's not gonna get mad yet but i was waiting for it i was on the edge waiting for it but jan makes comments about like the carpet 
We, we see that Jan has an office and a workspace. And she gets the whole bed. <laughs> uh, Michael has, I think, he only references like three things in the living room that are actually his. Right. Everything else is, is all, he's got his, all Jan. He's got his Dundies. Mm-hmm. He's got his plasma screen TV. Yep. He's standing in front of it for hours. Oh, what else does he have? And he's got... The table that he made. Oh, yeah. The table <laughs> out of pine. Out of pine or Nordic cherry. Oh, it's Jan insists it's pine. Yep. So it must be pine. <laughs> There's, and it just, it gets increasingly more. And that's, that's big because it was his condo first. Mm-hmm. He lived there. Yeah, like babe. he was established. You're right, babe. And then she came in and took it over. Like that's, that's like a major overhaul. Yeah, good, yeah, good job. Like babe. we look, we, if you look past, at, uh, if you look in the like the past episodes when you see Michael's condo, like he just like it's a very big bachelor pad, but now mm-hmm. you've seen like there's candles everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, there's weird paintings up on the wall, there's plants and stuff. Like it's not, you know, it's not Michael's condo anymore. Yeah, and he had to decide if he wanted the the Saint Pauli girl light up light or if he wanted the Dundies, and it just shows you how much he loves his job that he he wanted the Dundies. But it, it gets increasingly more boiled over later when they're playing the, sh- the celebrity game, kind of like charades. And He was being really obnoxious there, though. Like, <laughs> I wanted to, like, be mad at her, and she was just being a bitch, but he was being really obnoxious, not playing by the rules. Jim wasn't helping. No. <laughs> he just said that Jim he, he did helping. not want to be involved, period. Jim was putting a little lighter fluid on the fire. Oh, yeah. say. I wouldn't say he's putting gasoline, but he's squirting a little lighter fluid on the fire. There was the the back and forth of them but during the game where she, uh, Jan says that, Well, I guess I'm, I'm the devil then. And, and Michael doesn't disagree and says... Well, you're the devil, and yes, I'm in hell right now. And you can tell that there's these things that he tries to keep under the surface, but he lets it out in a very Michael kind of way. And then there's, of course, the vasectomy, snip, snap, snip, snap, <laughs> snip, snap conversation. So there's a, there's a whole lot going on in, in uh, this episode between Michael and Jan. Another thing that stood out to me is something that's going to be a... A theme throughout the show, and that's Dwight desperately wanting to be accepted by Michael. And it starts off at the beginning of the episode when Michael invites Jim and Pam and Andy and Angela over for dinner, but doesn't invite Dwight. Right. And Dwight actually, in his little on-camera, uh, I don't know what they call that. It's a talking head. A talking, his talking head. Yep. Good for you. Hey, man, that's why you're. I know the ends. Why you're on this show? And goats, apparently. Matt. In his talking head, he breaks down in tears yep. over not getting invited, but wor- finds a workaround later on. But Dwight just desperately wanting to earn Mike earn Michael's acceptance, and Michael wanting to give it to anybody but Dwight. Michael desperately wants Jim to be what Dwight wants to be <laughs> and Jim wants nothing less or nothing, you know, further from that. Well, see now I think what we saw too is that, uh, so Jan originally didn't want Dwight there, <laughs> but then Michael does it later because he knows that Michael invites Dwight later because he knows it's going to annoy Jim. Mm-hmm. 
think that's really good. Yeah, that's one that kind, that kind of flies under the radar. I didn't even really think about that yeah. until until you said that. Jan said because J- Michael gives the the reasoning at the beginning be, uh, that it was couples only. That way, didn't ha- we only had six wine glasses. But then we find out later on that that was actually came Jan. from Jan. Yep. I know. wonder if the whole thing came from Jan. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to have more friends. She wanted to put on this dinner party, and she told Michael how to trick them into coming. Well, Pam and Jim are not having a very enjoyable evening. That's very uncomfortable. But Pam, did you see her perk up when Dwight arrives with his air quote date? (laughs) Pam got really excited all of a sudden. Like, "Uh uh-oh, business just picked up. Things are about to get interesting because Dwight shows up with this older lady who, is, we find out later, is his former babysitter and current lover. Mm, which <laughs> I've, I've babysat Will before. That's true. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is going to be awkward. Oh, no. Are you guys going to tell me something now? That oh, you already knew we ba- you, she babysat me. Yeah, but yeah. like... I, you it's not on the level of Dwight and what's Okay. Okay. What is her name, actually? Does she ever, did they ever say it? It's a good question. She's in an episode towards the end of the series, too. Uh, is she also in the episode when they're trying to hire... Yep. Pe- one of Dwight's friends. Right. She's, she's one of the ones that's in that room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, there's, that's a very interesting dynamic there. Dwight found a way to get invited. And another interesting uh, overarching thing in this episode is the hunter concept. And we've met Hunter before as Jan's boy toy assistant, who oh, she's. Oh, you're really stretching for that too. Oh that's no, not confirmed. that's pretty much confirmed that there's. Were you gonna tell me you hired James Vanderbeek? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's pretty much confirmed that those two have had some, some carnal hmm. de- dealings with one another, hmm. and. Uh, now we, Jan does like younger boys. She does, and that and that comes up in a later season episode yeah. too with Clark. But with Hunter, he apparently is a singer songwriter. He's an artist. Yes. <laughs> and I think the uh, the name of the album was The Hunter or it something. Was the Hunted. The Hunted. Oh God, that's even better. Yeah. And uh, Hunter's song is played several times, and every time Jan kind of goes into like her own little her own little world with her dancing and um, she's just really um, enticed by Hunter's album and you could tell that it's Michael like her, doesn't doesn't care for that too much. A quiet, happy place to calm herself down. It is, yeah. You took me by the hand Ooh. and made me a man that one night, one night, you made everything all right. Did you pull that clip up? That was that good. Fast? Thanks, man. I, I thanks for jumping in there too with the little harmony and I had the to. and the rhythm. You want me and, to do the Andy one where he's just like, yeah. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. <laughs> uh, you know who does enjoy that is singing too is is Andy really and Andy was really getting into it. Now I don't know if Andrew Andy was just placating to. You know, make it seem like he liked it more, but it seemed like he really kind of. Andy likes any kind of music he that does. he yeah. can kind of harmonize well, also, to. Also, he's one of those. He's a kiss ass too. He's just like yep. Dwight. Yeah. So right. he, anytime he can like try and show off his vocal skills a little bit. Yeah, we talked about the uh, the Andy and Angela dynamics. I had that in my 
in my notes here. Just very uncomfortable. You can tell that it's very one-sided, you know, the love there. Uh, Jan and Michael have a, have a big blow-up at the end. And to the point where uh, a Dundee is thrown through the plasma screen TV. <laughs> that is a $200 TV! Good and luck that, replacing it on your $0 salary. Yeah, and that is... So Jan is so hateful in this episode. But you could see that she's still very sensitive when, when Michael makes that comment about your $0 a year salary. She gets very hurt by that. I mean, that's like something that she obviously feels, she feels like a failure. She puts on this big show about, you know, how, you know, all this, these candles and everything she does. And she used to be this, you know, big corporate executive. And, you know, she's obviously got her act together if you look at her from, from the outside. But on the inside, I think that kind of exposed some things there for her that she's, she feels very unsure about her lot in life right now and where she's at and maybe who she's with and, you know, felt like she would be with somebody better than Michael, that she'd be in a bigger house, that she'd have a better job, that she would be more successful, especially with her independent venture. And she'd be putting on real fancy dinner parties. Right. Not, you, not yeah. this pretend you can fancy dinner party. You can see that, too, kind of throughout the entire episode because whenever she gets up out of a chair, like, she tries to, like, move around or anything and she has to, like step over people mm -hmm. and she just seems very agitated that the place is so tiny yeah that's a, that's something i didn't even notice i kind of saw that like throughout that episode is because this happens and, yeah after, they do the tour like she made a big yeah. deal out of the tour when it's not gotta a very big place babe got it yeah babe you gotta show everything you wanna start upstairs babe yeah i don't care it's the up to you babe the camera upstairs in the bedroom <laughs> Which, Which I, you know I, I, I did not even know. Oh my god, we've seen know, this episode a bajillion seen a bajillion times. times. And, and you I, I never have a, noticed the camera. I have a little anecdote about that, too, well, that I'll of, say at the end A lot end of here. those things are callbacks to, like, previous episodes. So when they were previously dating, Michael talks about that camera. It's like, he likes, she likes to record us during sex. <laughs> to and tell me what I can do better. Yeah, <laughs> to show me how I, can, <laughs> how I can change my form up or something. <laughs> And so that it's just like there's a bunch of callbacks in the episode too of the previous things. Well, at the end of the episode, there was something that really kind of made me feel like they could learn from this blow up, and it, it was Jan gluing together the Dundee that she had broke. She obviously she cares about Michael. Yeah. She she just doesn't. I don't know if I don't know if she's enable of because she never. You know, after her and Michael break up and then get back together and then break up on the show, she ends up being like a single mother. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe that is how she can, the only person that she can really show love to is a child. I don't know if she's capable of having a, a meaningful romantic relationship. Even when she has that relationship with her child, it's still all about her. Mm -hmm. She sings that song that supposedly her daughter wrote, but it's like, Mommy, you're Mama. so wonderful. Mommy, you're Mommy, the best. Mommy, you're the best. Yeah. Mommy, you're the greatest. So everything's got to pick her up. Um, I, I think it shows, too, that, that Michael and Jan are just two completely different personalities. Uh, Michael's just very happy, fun, go, you know, try to get everybody's attention. Jan is a... I'd say she's a sociopath because she's yeah. an executive. So yeah, I mean, definitely. A lot of the executives are kind of like that. They're very yeah. cold, calculated. Yeah, definitely, a, definitely a sociopath. Definitely a narcissist. Yeah. And Michael is just kind of the, 
he's he is a hopeless romantic but he's he's awkward in society at times and doesn't know how to convey that until years later when you know he finally finds you know his yin and his yang but uh, a couple a couple little anecdotes about this before we yeah how about that you didn't think you were going to get that uh, this was the first Office episode to air in over five months. There was, uh, between this episode that aired in April of 09, I think, the previous episode was in November of 08, and that was that writer's strike. You guys remember that big writer's strike? I do. Yeah. It caused the seasons of a lot of different shows to be very, very short. Yes. Yep. Uh, and I think The Office was, was one of those yep. where it was only like a like a... 14 episode season or something like that i remember when the dvds would come out and they would be a lot cheaper than the rest of the seasons because there was just less episodes on there that was uh, scrub season five was mm-hmm. only like seven episodes yep long. uh something that i did not know but i found out through imdb the writers had a lot of insight uh, had a lot of background jokes in this and well i kind of told you this before we started recording every picture of jan in the condo is a picture of her with another man <laughs> Uh, Andy is wearing two sweaters and carrying a coat, and Michael has both a Bowflex and a Solo Flex in his garage, just to kind of show you that he is a uh, a glutton for punishment when it comes to as seen on TV products. And then John McCain, who ran for uh, w- was the Republican nominee for president, uh, ran against uh, Barack Obama. John McCain uh, is a big fan of the show, and he told. B.J. Novak, who plays Ryan on the show, who's one of the writers and one of the executive producers, he told Ryan that his very favorite moment, his favorite, very favorite scene or moment in any episode of The Office is when they go into the bedroom and uh, they see the camera on the tripod. <laughs> so John McCain really liked the, uh, the tripod camera. And this episode was nominated for a writing Emmy for... Uh, best writing i don't think it won but it was it was nominated that year so it just kind of goes to show you that it was it is very highly regarded episode like another thing that i noticed is like when michael and uh jim and andy go into that to go into the uh, garage where um michael likes to hang out every once in a while take a hand um that's a there's a lot of just random stuff in there yeah i think that's all michael's stuff I didn't even. I didn't that even think that he was allowed to keep. That he was allowed to keep. Maybe for the time being. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's kind of transitioning Maybe into the garage and then she transitioning. She probably thinks out. she can sell some of that stuff and get some money. Probably. Mm-hmm. So most of it she deemed trash and threw away. I'd like those hand stuff. chairs. I'd like to have. Honestly. It's pretty nice. Those are pretty cool. I'd like to have those in the library. What about that Bowflex though? <sighs> I was never a Bowflex guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm never. I don't, I don't even. I bar- I vaguely remember like what the concept of the solo flex was. I remember it seeing commercials for it. Bowflex, like I remember, but it's not really a Bowflex guy. I don't know. I don't, like we got to like attach like the different bands and, yeah. and stuff like that. I don't know, man. It seems like a lot of work. Like if I'm gonna work out, I want to work out just setting up the workout. <laughs> God, double dipping. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about this episode? Or are we ready to move on um, to the second one? Well, we we missed. Uh, there's that part with Jim and Pam. Uh, where Jim tries to bail on Pam. Oh, my goodness. Well, he doesn't try to bail on Pam. Yeah. He tries to take her with him. But, uh, but when Michael that didn't work. pokes a hole in it, and he was just going to run for the hills. I, I, I thought that was hilarious because <laughs> like Pam's just like, are you seriously about to do this right now? And he's like, 
Well, I gotta go. You, you know, know, sorry. My 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 apartment is on fire or uh, flooded. Flooded. <laughs> it was flooded, and then later on, he says that it was on fire, and then Pam was nice enough to correct him that it was flooded, and that's why Michael can't stay at their place. But yeah, but there's not a lot of interaction between um, between Jim and Pam during that episode, besides that specific part, and then the part at the end where Jim steals mm. the CD. Uh, they yep. listen to it while eating hamburgers. Mm-hmm. At the end of the night. Very sweet episode. Just kind of underscores the whole romance between those two. That they can, they often get put in these uncomfortable situations, but they come out and they can just kind of laugh about it. And it kind of, it's like kind of Jessica, you and I kind of had the same thing: is that we kind of get in these situations and then we we kind of just talk about how uncomfortable we are, and then we know we're going to laugh about it later and make fun of everybody involved. Yes, definitely. That's the best part. <laughs> because um, we're better than everybody, we, I liked, we think. I liked how he was like, okay, well, I came up this way to get out of here. I can't take you with me. I'm going to go anyway. And she was clever enough to, like, nope, if you're not going, if I can't go, you can't go. And she got out, got mm-hmm. him out of it. Just kind of shows how they're on the same level mm-hmm. and they're, they're perfect for each other. Kind yeah. Of deal. And they kind of had this, they had this under-the-radar conversation without saying the actual words that they actually meant, and nobody else in the room knew what they were talking about, mm-hmm. right. except for those two. The other thing that we didn't talk about was the Jan-Pam issue. Ah. So apparently, I guess Michael at some point told Jan that but him and Pam had a rom- romantic relationship? An actual relationship. Well, it comes up later on, too, in the uh, Fun Run episode. Mm-hmm. Where it does. He's like, well, you've seen my husband's penis. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't... S- I, I, s- I didn't, didn't see, see where it started. started but I, I saw, saw where it ended. ended. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like me and Will. Uh, like, yeah. yeah. I didn't see where it started, but I saw where it ended. Many times. What? What? Huh? Huh? That's weird. That is weird. No, it's uh, too, it's 2020, man. Don't say that's weird. Yeah, that's true. You're weird by saying that's it's weird. normal. Yeah. Yeah. No, neither of you, <laughs> neither of you two are normal. No. So. We try. Do we? No. No. All right, let's go to the client. Episode seven of season two. Uh, Will this episode was written by a gentleman named Paul Lieberstein? Cool. You, do you know who that is? Love Paul Lieberstein. You actually do. Um, I because do. he plays a character. Have char- you seen his penis? Kinda. He, he saw where it ended, but he didn't see where it <laughs> where it started. <laughs> I don't know if you want to see where it starts. If you saw his penis, you should probably remember his name. Huh. He plays a. That's not true. He plays a, a pretty prominent character on The Office and a uh, somebody who's a kind of a nemesis to Michael. Really? Yeah. Who sits in the annex? Oh, Toby! It's Toby. I, you know, I always forget that Toby is a writer uh, for the office. Yeah, and he was a writer first, and then apparently they asked him to act. They asked him to. It's like, why don't you just do it? You know what you want. You just be this guy. Well, that's what they did. They did the same thing with um, with uh, Phyllis. Mm-hmm. She was just there to to help the, the all the other actors like read their lines and all that stuff. And they're like, you know what? We're going to go ahead and just make a character. Yeah. You. So. Uh, so it was written by Toby. And during production, this was the episode that the cast had learned that they had been officially picked up for the full 
22 episodes. So kind of a watershed moment for the show. Uh, we have our cold open where uh, Ryan, who's a temp at this point, comes in with uh, Michael's dry cleaning. And we find out about the mythical dry clean blue jeans, Jessica. What's so special about these blue jeans? Nobody knows. <laughs> but Michael acts completely different, apparently, when he wears them. Mm -hmm. Very confident. He's very sure of himself. There was clips of him dancing around. Uh, yeah, he, was up doing, on her desk. he was doing some tricep extensions right. in front of his. That's uh, the reason he started doorway. Casual Friday. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it was funny, but the opening to this didn't seem. It didn't affect the rest of the episode. It was very. It was over very quickly. It yeah. It was it was shorter. It it was funny, but not nearly as clever as the opening to um, dinner party. Right. And it, and it didn't have any bearing on the rest of the episode, which it doesn't have to. A lot of the cold opens don't have any bearing on the rest of the episode. But this one was just kind of, I could have done w with or without it. If it had tied in more to the show later, like like these jeans popped up or you were flashing back to something that actually happened in a different episode, I think that would have tied in better. Because like we said, we're, we're expecting those kinds of things because like at the camera... In the previous episode, we we had heard about that, but maybe this was too early in the process to be making those kinds of connections. So we're in season two here, and a lot of a lot of the cast at this point doesn't know if this is, especially with the ratings for up for the first season that weren't that great. They really start to catch get their stride at this point, you know, kind of in the middle of season two. And that's when they get picked up for, they get a big ratings jump, I think like over 7 million viewers. And they get picked up for, for the full 22 episodes, which would take them basically through a very short first season and then kind of a middle range second season. And then they're off to the races after that. But the uh, underlying concept of this show from IMDb is as follows. With Michael and Jan Levinson Gould away from the office to land a new client, the staff discovers an unproduced screenplay in Michael's office. So there are a lot of things in this episode, a lot of seeds in this episode that are going to be sown for many, many episodes to come later on, even way down the line when we eventually get to see the, the final product of this uh, screenplay yep. that we find. And then this is also the first time we get any hint of a romantic entanglement between uh, Jan and Michael, uh -huh. which kind of relates to the, the other episode that yeah, we watched really, this time. These two episodes, I thought it was a strange pairing, but I kind of see some connection. Yeah, there's some synergy there, isn't there? And so we start, like, this one's the start of their relationship, and then where we're at is kind of, you know, the end blowing up. Very unstable part of their relationship. Mm -hmm. It's also and Jim and Pam's first date. Is it really a date, though? Uh, well, at least he didn't there leave her no at dancing. a high school hockey. Oh, so. we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Jim, Jim. Jim overstepped all, a little bit. That's what I had in my notes. <laughs> I said Jim pushes too hard. He pushed a little too hard in this episode. We're t we'll talk about the uh, the dynamic where the... Because the Jim and Pam 
relationship is at a very different point here in season two than it's going to be in season four, uh, the dinner party episode that we talked about. But in this episode, Lackawanna County is looking for a new paper supplier, and this would be a big get for the company, especially with, they, they talk about, you know, just a, a downturn in the business and the fact that this would be a big thing for them to land this client. Now, Dan, where's Lackawanna County at? Yep. Yeah. I'm guessing Pennsylvania? Scranton region? Is it is it a <laughs> county in, in Scranton? Like, is Scranton a bigger city? I would think that Scranton is one of the smaller cities in the county of Lackawanna. Sure. We got interns around, don't we? We have interns on this show? I think so. All our other podcasts yeah. have interns. They just kind of hang around from the other shows? Yeah, I would think so. We and we And we only have to pay them once. That's true. You know, so the more podcasts we get, the more value we're getting. They also aren't allowed to leave. Yeah. There's only a lot. They're, they're quarantined. You don't have that much hand sanitizer, so. Well, they're not allowed to use the hand sanitizer. That's for us. <laughs> <laughs> the face mask and the hand sanitizer is just for us. And, and we have more hand sanitizer. Oh, we okay. we, we do. are prepared. This is just the stuff we put out for when we have company over. So we you have got the good stuff hidden. It's not, not any better. Stuff. It's uh. just... <laughs> It's just more, more quantities hidden somewhere in this house or buried in the backyard. I can't tell you. Uh, one I thing. Put it in Ziploc bags and put it in the pool. Oh, my goodness. That's a good idea. You just yeah. told everybody who listens to this show. But we whispered it so nobody could hear it. Uh, yeah, you gotta I was there. just telling him. Oh, okay. You should mind your own business. Nobody yeah. else listened to that. Nobody's listening anyway. It's our first episode. We got it. We got to grow. Anastasia and Jennifer are already on the on. They're waiting. This is the. They're gonna hit. This is already the fastest growing. This is already the fastest growing episode on the Rhino Podcasting Network. The RPN. (laughs) We have people waiting for this episode. Uh, Did you guys notice that Oscar's not out as gay in this episode? Yeah. (laughs) When he was talking, they were talking about worst dates, and Oscar talks about a girl that. Yeah, it took a, a second. I'm like, what is he talking about? What context is this thing? Because we kind of come in on the middle of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he's not out yet. And that's when we get the worst date epi- or the worst date story from Pam, where she talks about how she went to a hockey game. Was it a minor league hockey game? It was a high school hockey game. Hi- oh, God, even worse. Yeah. To a high school hockey game, went to the bathroom toward the end of the game. With his, with his brother. <laughs> his brother didn't go to the bathroom. Well, no, no, I'm just saying it was her date and her yeah. date. So it was her date brought his brother, yes, of course, brought his brother, uh, and took Pam to the the great setting of a high school, more romantic setting of a high school hockey game with his brother there. She went to the bathroom. They left without her. Had to come back for her. Yep. And uh, turns out that this wasn't that long ago. It it was her current fiance, Roy. Boo, boo, Roy! <laughs> oh, it's first appearance of the Will of the classic Will oh, Lewis. Boo! Did you you didn't you say it the same it. way? I said I went boo. Okay, his, his check Will's the bo- tapes. Check w- the tapes. We'll, we'll have an intern check the check, check the archives. But another thing that I noticed about Oscar is when Michael leaves the office for his meeting, he says bye to everybody, but then no, says he said like hasta luego. Or he said, ciao. He said, ciao. And then he says, oh, adios. Adios. And then the camera pans to Oscar. He's like, why Why me? Like, why are you signaling me out? Well, it didn't make any sense because he said, ciao to everybody else. It was like. (laughs) Oh, can't forget about my Latino friend over there. Uh, (laughs) We'll use your skills come baseball season, my friend. 
Christ. Or if we box. Yeah. <laughs> that is another episode we'll talk about later. That is uh I don't know if we'll talk about that one. That's it's the It's on there. The, the basketball game? The basketball's on there. That's one of the nominated? Okay. If I'm, mis- if I'm not mistaken, it was. Really? Okay. It's a great episode. Eh, anything from first season, I don't know if I'd say great. Say good is kind of where it tops off at. There's two on the list. I was quite surprised. There is no sign of the romance with Michael and Jan until the very end of this episode, is there? Yeah, she, she pretty much hates him in the beginning. If, if you didn't know this was coming, there's like... There's like no tension or anything there. Of There's course, of tension course. Tension is not good tension. Yeah, uh, no sexual tension. But Michael thinks that Jan is still married at this time, hence the Jan Levinson Gould. But there's no hint of any kind that there's going to be anything between them at the end of the ep- of the of this episode, and we do get something at the end of the episode. Yeah. So it was kind of it was kind of a weird dynamic there. There's the moment. The moment that he like closes the sale Mm -hmm. and she just stops and looks at him like he is amazing. Mm -hmm. I had that in my notes. Jan comes around to Michael because he nails the sale at the end. And that's that's like the moment it all changes for her. She was also intoxicated. Yes. (laughs) So so (laughs) that helps. helps. She also sees too that Michael knows what he's doing. Right. And he's very good at what he does. And you know, that's something that kind of people forget about in the in in the whole show when we talk about michael and we talk about how he is as a boss and how he is at his job and people are like why he's so inept how does he have this job how does he have this job where he has people working under him it's because he's a really good salesman yeah but it almost doesn't fit because in some cases we're supposed to believe that he's just like socially incapable of having normal interactions with people. But yet in these cases, he can read this guy so well. He knows that Jan's going to push him. He's going to walk away. We got we to gotta change the topic. We got to become friends. Like he knows how it works and he can read the situation so well. It doesn't almost doesn't make sense. But I mean, some people are like that. Some people are, you know, Rain Man couldn't you know, function, you know, around people, but could count, drop a bunch of toothpicks on the ground and count them up. And he yeah, but that's people <laughs> and toothpicks. This is people and people. Yeah. How can he read a situation and know how to respond so well in one situation and then not at all in other situations? So, so this is one of the first episodes where they show that he's like a really, really good salesman. And then they kind of like go back to it a couple more times mm-hmm. later on in like the fir- like the last or the further further on those seasons after that. But like, um, like he, they go back and they say that he was the best salesman mm-hmm. before he even got promoted. In, right, and that's in, why he got promoted in Dunder Mifflin. And then later on, you see like he has all these, you know his uh device where he comes up with where he remembers everybody's name right. and everybody what everybody likes what they don't like he has the rolodex mm-hmm. where it's uh the red light is you're you can go ahead and talk about that yep. or something. it's completely yep. backwards right he's got a system it's not a system that would work for anybody else no, or even a system that he could teach to anybody nope. but he's got a system and it works and i think the reason why he's why his his branch always does so well it's not because he's a great leader it's because i think everybody around him knows that they have to kind of step up their game to kind of make up for his inabilities as a leader because as good of a salesman as he is he's not 
that great of a manager. Right. And everybody else has to kind of work twice as hard to make up for that so their branch does get closed down and they don't lose their jobs. And that ends up making the branch be very successful later on when all the other branches are failing. So it's a very weird dynamic between, you know, Michael. But I think uh, Michael as a boss and Michael as a salesman and, and how that all kind of relates to each other. But I think that it it's very interesting because I didn't even think about, like, the mnemonic devices that he had for for everybody or for everything and how he remembers things. He he has a system, and his system wouldn't work for anybody else, but it does work for him. Uh what else we got here? We've got uh, Michael doing a great job of schmoozing the client, played by Tim Meadows, who's a, a Saturday Night Live alum. And later on in the episode, we get the first appearance of Threat Level Midnight and Agent Michael Scarn. Something that's going to show up uh, and was even briefly referenced in the uh, dinner party episode. When they were talking about candles, and they talked about the bonfire candle, and then Michael, of course, goes, Bon, Bon, fire, James Bond, Michael Scarn. <laughs> you know, he just, he had to, he had to get that in there. Michael Scarn is kind of like this character that's, that's going to pop up a lot. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, who's the character that Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec? Uh, oh, Burt Macklin. Burt Macklin, you son of a bitch. Burt Macklin, FBI. <laughs> That's the character that kind of pops up over and over again. There are a lot of similarities between those shows with the cameras and the angles and things like that, but also a lot of similarities between Michael Scarn and Burt Macklin. Uh, Dwight is uh, very upset that this movie script that is uh, written by Michael Scott has been found in the his desk drawer when uh, Pam was putting the joke books back. And that not only has the script been found, but it's been taken out. It's been, copies have been made, copies have been distributed, and we're going to do a read aloud in the conference room. Dwight is very upset, and, he, and he's just upset because he feels like he, Michael's privacy is being violated here. Right. Yeah, and also partly because he's being left out again, you know. It, yeah. But then they give him a part. So they, they draw because Dwight in by, a, knows how to work by appealing to his ego yeah. and saying that, Dwight, would you like to play the lead role of Agent Michael Scarn? And we know that that probably also appeals to like the law enforcement side of of dwight and the fact that he like idolizes michael mm -hmm. so it's not only is it michael's script but it's his character he mm -hmm. gets to kind of be michael and that's what he's always wanted is to be the manager he wants as much as he loves michael he also wants michael's position so jim and pam at this point pam is engaged to roy we know that jim is obviously in love with pam since the first episode that's something that we get we get that feeling from the first time we see them together that Jim is in love with Pam, but he knows that they can't be together because she's engaged to another man. We find out that Roy was the person who actually left Pam at the hockey game. So we talked about how Jim is... You said he kind of overstepped a little bit, Jessica. I said he kind of pushed a little too hard here. 
Jim is obviously very good friends with Pam, but is obviously everything he does has kind of a flirtatious feel to it or in a way to kind of how would you describe that like it's not really like overly flirting but he's obviously trying to like make her laugh and trying to how would you guys how would you describe the what he's trying to do at this point in their relationship so i see i think jim kind of sees an opening in this episode where he sees that uh I didn't Roy's, think of that. That's Roy's good. treated her badly in the past, and he knows that mm-hmm. Roy's treated her badly in the past. But I think he has a feeling that Jim or that Pam has a crush on her or on Jim. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of using this to just, I mean, they're always kind of flirty anyway. Mm-hmm. They're always joking around and playing pranks and stuff. Um, but also Pam is kind of, you know, she's going along with it the entire episode. Like, she's the one who brought the script to Jim. Mm-hmm. And then Jim uses this. He's like, cool. He's like, I can do this. And the, the whole date thing at the end, I think that just kind of pops up in his head. Because I think a couple episodes before that was the one where like, she, like, falls asleep on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So their relationship at that point is still very, like, under wraps. Mm-hmm. They haven't really, they haven't expressed anything to each other, obviously. That doesn't happen until later on. But I think he's trying to utilize this as a moment to kind of put some doubt in the Pam's head. Yeah, he sees a window there about Roy mm-hmm. because he also too he sees that you know Roy comes up while they're reading the script and Pam's like you know what no I'm actually gonna stay. Yeah, she doesn't want to go home or doesn't want to go wherever she was planning on going. Yeah, he oversteps, but like you're saying, there are a couple of things. And he sees this and he kind of almost can't help himself. You know, the bad date thing. Then she chooses to stay with them rather than go home with him. And then she also makes a comment when he makes her a sandwich. He's like, I don't can't remember when the last time somebody cooked for me. Mm-hmm. And he's just seeing all these openings where he can just kind of wiggle in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's like being skeevy about it. But in this episode, he kind of seemed like it more than normal. Well, when I thought he kind of, where where it seemed like he went a little too far was toward the end when he kind of insinuates that they had their first date. Mm -hmm. And he kind of insinuates that it was, well, it was romantic. And she's kind of pushing back a little bit, like, did we really dance? You know, it was more like kind of like swaying. Well, for her, that's kind of like if she admits that she's kind of getting herself into trouble because she's engaged she's in a relationship if she has somebody she's worked with works with saying we had our first date we did we had dinner we had a movie yeah that probably makes her think the way he laid it all out for Mm her i mean he was trying to make his point but that point freaked her out and that's why i thought he kind of over like like you said he overstepped a little bit by laying it all out there like that but at at that point i think he had kind of felt like he was he was progressing a little bit there. He, he did, and then he, but he realizes too that he overstepped at the end because he even says in his talking head thing, he's just like, "I guess you can't really go on a date if the person you're going on a date with goes home to their fiance." Yeah, like, like so he realizes what he did was was too much, but he pushed really hard towards the end of that. Show, well, right uh, that well, show. after that, after he talks about, well, it was kind of a date and it was kind of romantic. And then when she, when Pam kind of pushes back, he said, well, at least I didn't leave you at a hockey game. Yeah. 
And at, at that point, she doesn't want to talk to him. She well, he's ag- by that time he's agitated. He is. He's like, yeah, you know, it was. He's like, this was a romantic night. This was a fun night. But you're not like she's not acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. I think he gets frustrated. Yeah, it it and it ends on it ends with them not speaking to each other, and it ends with that that look between Jim and Michael where they just kind of give each other a little head nod because they have a similar weird experience with women so we'd heard what jim's experience is with pam here let's talk about the jan and michael uh dynamic here we find out in this episode that jan is recently divorced she is jan levinson now not jan levinson gould interestingly enough because he did not want kids and she did want Mm -hmm. kids which is also funny that we're backing up to the other episode Where Jan is saying she doesn't want kids and made Michael get a vasectomy. And then said she did, and then said she didn't. Snip, snap, snap, snap. Yeah. So it's like you you left one guy because he wasn't going to give you kids, but now she's with Michael, and now she thinks. But doesn't, don't you think that kind of goes to my point earlier where she's just it incapable of being in a meaningful romantic relationship? Is that she'll just, she'll find a way out of it. Yes. Well, we don't really know what her relationship with the other guy yeah. was. Gould. <laughs> but she was like a normal, sane person before. As far as we know. As far as we know. And uh, she was, you know, had a successful career. And yes, she was kind of a, a hard ass about it. But, you know, women in business kind of have to be. So she thought she felt like she had to be a certain way. And she wanted certain things. And she wanted to be successful. She wants the big house. She wants... The good career she wants kids she wants it all and when she wasn't going to get it with that guy she left but after that it was just like a series of bad bad things there's also too like there's a a couple episodes further on when before before they actually get together she says like she talks about how her psychiatrist is basically telling her to make the wrong or make bad Mm. decisions Mm -hmm. because she's made good decisions all her life she's like well maybe (laughs) Maybe you should make the wrong decision. Yeah, do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Do the opposite. So then that's why she ends up with Michael, basically. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get to the dinner party, like, she has totally screwed up her life. She has no job, no career. She feels like she's stuck with Michael. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had some friends who, one in particular, did the same thing, where she she was living with a guy that she didn't really like, but she didn't have any other options. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about you, Will. We're talking about some... <laughs> we're like honestly not talking about you so that's why you got get a little uncomfortable over there no he's just playing on his phone digging oh, around I'm on his phone, around on my phone. <laughs> uh w- with jan we talked a little bit uh, before about how she ends up being very impressed with michael and he gets the outcome that they desired this big lackawanna county paper contract and that leads to and that and the alcohol that and the alcohol make the perfect storm of a little celebration with them in the parking lot with a little hug and then followed by a little kiss and Which then was i was paying more attention this time was really really pushed by michael yeah like mm-hmm. he grabbed her he held her he wouldn't let go he gave her the little kiss 
And then there was she was still like, what am I going to do? Okay, let's just do this. this is, who cares? And then they make out. I think you notice, too, like, when she starts kissing back to Michael. Like, Michael looks so awkward. <laughs> he's like, like, he, he like, his, has his lips, like, completely, like, pushed together. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, pushing his face forward. I just don't know so if he has that. Weird. I don't know if he has that much experience, like, with. I guess not. You know, because we find out later that he was, like, a virgin until he was, like, 22 or something <laughs> like that. Like, in a later episode. Or 24 or 26 or something right. something like that in a later episode so you know <laughs> i once waited 22 years to have sex <laughs> i could wait enough you know like well, six months would be nothing <laughs> but it leads to a, a jan hookup with michael and when michael left the office he said uh what, what was something like don't uh hold tight until hang tight until i get back yeah, well, and he went around and around with that. Like, first he told them they could go home because he was going to be late. And then, yeah. and then he Jan didn't like that. So then he tried, like, every possible thing, combination, mm. to get her, see which one got her approval. And then finally he's like, stay here till I get back. And one person does take that to heart, and that's Dwight. And Dwight ends up sleeping on the the couch in uh next to pam's desk in the office with the the space blanket (laughs) because he michael never came back so he told me to hang tight i'm a good number two that's what i need to do and he hears uh the camera crew come in that rustles him up he looks out the window he noticed that uh, jan's car is still in the parking lot but Michael's is not. But Michael's is not. Maybe do I need to contact the authorities? But then he sees Jan show up in a taxi, mm-hmm. immediately figures out what happened. And we also see Angela, who came came to work early. And you could tell that she's figured out what happened, right. too, when she sees Jan show up <laughs> in the taxi. And she gives a very disapproving look in uh, toward Jan. But... Like I said, uh, Dwight figures it out. Dwight confronts Michael about it. Did you do her? And Michael, or, yeah, Michael's saying that, you know, I don't kiss and tell, but he really does A gentleman never kisses kisses and tells, and neither do I. (laughs) So he ends up telling the crew. He ends up basically telling Dwight. And then we, and Michael's in love. Michael's immediately head over heels in love. He thinks he's in a relationship. He thinks he needs to disclose it to HR. He doesn't know if she, if he should do it or if she should do it. Michael is immediately smitten and head over heels in love. And Jan is not. No. Jan gives a, a call to the office to talk to Michael. Uh, Jan says it was a mistake. Michael says, well, if it was a mistake, then it was the greatest mistake ever. And Michael's trying to hide the conversation from the camera crew because it's obviously not going the way he wants it to go. But this plants the seeds for things down the line between them, doesn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. This is where it all. This is where it all starts. Whether it was a mistake, whether it was alcohol infused. She accused Did him you of, get uh, me drunk on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> Did you slip me something? Because <laughs> how could I possibly have had have had that happen with Michael? Is she it, thinks he's a moron. He had one good night, but she still thinks he's a moron. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he did. One really good night. Oh, they didn't even do anything. 
They just they, made out a they little They made bit. out a little bit, and they and talked about she stuff. She fell asleep on his arm. Uh-huh. And it was magical. It was magical. <laughs> and now they're in a relationship, yeah. according to Michael. According to Jim, too, because Pam fell asleep on his arm. That's true. And they had one good evening together. Guys, I didn't know this was going to be the, the podcast where we're attacking Jim <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> we're just pointing out similarities. Jim is a hopeless romantic. <sighs> I don't he know, man. He did. He oversteps. He did overstep in this episode. He's a habitual line stepper. Whoa. <gasps> He's a habitual line. I don't remember what that what that's from. Do you know what that, that line is from? No. Oh, it's Charlie Murphy from Chappelle's show. Talking about Rick James. Habitual line stepper, Jess. There's a, and there's a couple times in this, uh, in this show where Jim kind of makes Pam uncomfortable where he steps over a little bit. If you remember the... At the dojo, where we're having the fight between yeah. where between Michael and Dwight, and uh, Jim kind of like picks Pam up and like her. That wasn't him so much though as Angela had been nitpicking. I mean, like, oh yeah, you're friends, mm-hmm. and she'd been saying stuff, and then An- Angela kept pointing things out, and so Jim picked her up. She was laughing; she thought it was mm-hmm. funny. Then she glanced over and saw Angela watching. Put me down! Put me down! And yep. then it was uncomfortable. It was super uncomfortable. And like Jim has like is like trying to write like an email to her later on. I can't think of the right the right words to say. It's, like it's, he doesn't know exactly why she freaked out because that I mean that's kind of their normal flirty behavior. Right. Yeah, but I don't know. And that's a pick, little bit picking another. On. That's a well, little bit further. Will on. would pick me up if he could. So. Yeah, but you guys have a history. True, and as we know, if you have babysat, if you babysat for somebody, then it eventually leads to romance later on. If the office has taught me anything, it's just that. It's just that. So, anything else you guys want to say about the client? That being uh, episode seven from season two. Before we make our picks, who's advancing in the uh, tournament to find the greatest office episode of all time? Uh, no, I don't think I have anything. I think we covered that one. one. Are we ready? I think that one had a lot less. Going on. All right. Well, it's time to, to pick a winner. Uh, ladies first, Jessica. Of these two. What if I don't want to go first? I want to beat the tiebreaker. Of Ooh. these two. Okay. I was trying to be a gentleman. I was I was trying to be a gentleman. It's 2020, but, Dan. Okay. Will. Ugh. The other lady. Of these two. Ep- Whoa, man. Dang. <laughs> we grew up Louise. together. We go this, way back. This goat podcast got very. Matt. Very mean, mean. and bad. Will's <laughs> <laughs> just gonna faint. There and fall over. <laughs> uh, Will sheep, of these though. of these two episodes? Will goat sheep? Same thing. Out of no. the two episodes, which one do I think is which the one's one? advancing in the tournament in uh, your mind? So the weird part is, is I know like how iconic the dinner guest episode is. I got more laughs out of the client than I did out of the dinner guest. Mm-hmm. But um, with just how much stuff is going on in the dinner guest, and like, there's so much more memorable. It it took me to have to rewatch the client to remember like certain funny things about mm-hmm. that episode. I know everything about the dinner. Yeah, the dinner we were kind of looking at each other like when things were coming up. Yeah. You're like oh, oh here it comes here it comes I know, pay attention I, like that's one of the iconic episodes so I I kind of wanted to pick the client but I'm gonna go with the dinner guest so you you wanted to pick the dark horse there but oh my dark horse is in the next bracket yeah you wanted so. to pick the underdog there but you went with the dinner party yep. uh, Jessica you want to be the tiebreaker mm-hmm. 
Well, you're not going to be the tiebreaker because I'm going with the dinner party as well. So (laughs) no matter what you pick, uh, your vote is meaningless. You might as well not vote. It's just like America. Just like America. Might as well not vote. Might as well not vote, guys, because your vote is meaningless. Yeah, your vote is meaningless. Stay home. Jessica used to always... Uh, I, I stopped telling her what I was voting for. This only happened in his head. Like, <laughs> because, only happened in his head. Because she she canceled, she canceled would cancel my vote out. I'd find out later. I'd say, yeah, we voted for, for this. And she's like, I didn't vote for that. And I'd find out later she's not the person I thought she was. Oh. And she canceled my vote out. So I stopped telling her what I, who I was voting for and what I was voting for. That's why you always keep secrets from your wife. Secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone that's from another office episode it is later on. it is yeah. it's with the the stripper it is i believe and benjamin franklin i didn't know that i would <laughs> learn more from a from a stripper than benjamin franklin yep nobody nobody knew that i'm going i'm going with uh, the dinner party i just thought it was i thought it flowed really well i thought that every i, I like the fact that um first First of all, I love Tim Meadows in in the uh, in the client episode. I thought he was fantastic. I've always loved Tim Meadows since he was on SNL. But I thought that the dinner party, I think the the setting helped. The fact that most of it took place in the the condo, we didn't have, you know, to to go from the office to the Chili's to the 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 rendezvous to the to the rooftop right. to. Uh, uh, to the conference room we i think the setting the, the centralized setting really helped it and we could kind of just focus on the characters and kind of focus on the relationships between them and there was a lot of just like underlying dynamics between characters that that made everything very cohesive i thought that you know we had the the jan and michael but then we also had the the jan and and pam and then we also had uh the the michael and dwight and we had the dwight and jim and we had the the andy and michael and everybody kind of had something going on with everybody else and it it all equaled out to just an enormously funny episode with a lot of memorable moments so i'm gonna go with the the dinner party yeah 30 minute episode or what 28 minutes Mm -hmm. whatever a lot happens in that episode Mm -hmm. yeah they get they get get a lot of bang for your buck in that episode jessica your vote is meaningless but who you going with um well i agree that there was a lot going on in the dinner episode but it's also a lot further along in the series so you can have more complex stories so if you kind of forgive the second season episode that, I w- I'm going to pick the client. It, for Ooh. one, just a lot less uncomfortable and a lot more fun. Mm. I didn't, didn't like the uncomfortable parts. Yeah, there's a couple. There's Like you said, it's very memorable. It's got a lot going on. But I think a lot of that's just because we've spent so much time with those characters. We're much more attached and much more involved in their lives at that point. So that's not really an even playing field. You got to take that out of the equation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want the client. It's more fun. I like that we get to see like where everybody's coming from and the start of the Jan Michael, the start of the Pam Jim, and all these things that just keep coming up later, like the threat level midnight. It all comes back. That's true. And we- even like there was a time. <laughs> Later, for the, like the deposition when they're reading Michael's journal, when he's like, "Oh my God, Jan and I kissed for the first time." So I liked those mo- like watching it 
again, you see all those moments too. So it does have a lot going on. There was one inconsistency that I saw that somebody had pointed out online. In the dinner party episode, we find out that Michael sleeps on the little step stool thing at the foot of the bed because Jan doesn't like sharing the bed with him. Which I can relate to. I've had to sleep (laughs) in a very small part of my bed before too. However, in uh, later episodes, we find out uh, when, uh, the, I believe it's the deposition, is it the deposition episode where we get Michael's diary? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that the episode where, we, where they, they read? No, I think the deposition is before the dinner party. Interesting. Because okay. I think they reference, don't they reference? Yeah, yeah because it's, yeah, it's when, when she loses her job. Okay. Yeah. And in the dinner episode, she's already lost her job. Okay. So, well, in the deposition episode, we, we get Michael's diary, and he says he keeps it under Jan's side of the bed because he doesn't like sleeping on the lump. Now, is that why one of the reasons why he got moved to the foot of the bed? Because of... Well, they were more in an actual relationship back then. Okay. And the now, it's like yeah. just all about Jan and you know they're not they're in a relationship but they're not Jan's not trying anymore Mm -hmm. she's kind of just taking over and trying to make her life into what she wanted and she missed out on gotcha well that was the uh Looks like the dinner party, by a vote of two to one is going to almost had an upset uh dinner party is going to advance and they're going to take on the winner of booze cruise against casual Friday Which is uh, also in the Michael Scott bra- version, or the Michael Scott region of our bracket. And we will have that on our next episode of the GOAT Podcast, the greatest yeah. office episode of all Which time. shouldn't be too long because we're all in quarantine. Yeah, we'll just so. knock, knock these babies out. Woo! Social distancing, <laughs> guys. And uh, somebody told me you can't spell quarantine without... You are a cutie. You are a cutie. Aww. Yeah, Will said that to me though, so yeah, not I to figured. not to you, and I didn't say it to you either. I'm sorry. When cute things <gasps> didn't happen, give me the flower either. When when cute things happen, just assume it's between me and Will. <laughs> the only thing I'm afraid of catching during this quarantine are feelings for you. Oh my God! I thought you already had those. No, wait. He's just Dang it. he just he's working he's on just he's working cute. on Hallmark cards yeah. during the during the quarantine time you gotta, here. Your, you gotta up your game when you can't go out and actually not talk to people so you gotta come up with some funny punchlines. well thanks everybody for downloading listening and subscribing you can follow us on twitter at goat office cast that's g-o-a-t office cast now you're gonna confuse everyone goat office cast and you can email us goat office podcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll give you we, no, you don't have to do that with an email. Uh, you just go to officepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll give you a shout-out on the air and answer your questions and uh, read your thoughts. And uh, if you think we're worthy, go ahead and give us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. But we will be back next time. Sorry the episode ran a little long for the first one. we we got to get the format down so everybody... We had you a know, lot to explain. We had a lot to explain. To Will that it wasn't about goats. Yeah, that, I'm still confused. That took about ten minutes. So I'll, I'll be here for the next episode. We'll talk about goats. Everything will be fine. There's no goats. Just no goats. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm Dan Rhino. He's Will Lewis. She's Jessica Rhino. We will see you next time. May all your days be Pretzel Day.